police in the morning. The angels in heaven and the devils in hell have a common enemy, the presence, a being who dominates a dimension gorged with terror and bloodshed. Allison is the mortal recruited to hunt down and assassinate the presence. She must journey through this universe of chaos and depravity, enveloped by the screams of the tortured and the stench of the long dead. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the, the B-Movie, B-Movie Bros. We review B-Movies to the best of our ability. Sometimes we get off topic, but randomness is a gift. So, it's June, and we thought, what better way to celebrate the, uh, the nice, balmy temperatures here than uh, by celebrating gratuitous violence. I mean, is there ever a reason... Do you ever really need a reason to celebrate gratuitous violence? You know, I guess you're right. We really don't. But, you know, any excuse will do. We're taking a look this week at the 1999 release of Ice from the Sun. By Eric Stanzi and Wicked Pixels Cinema. We've reviewed, um, I think, a few of their films. I know we've seen most of them, but, yeah, definitely, um... Yeah, Definitely a fun film. We have a history together, I'd say. Oh, yeah. I think, like, next to Mark Polonia, they're probably one of the studios we've seen the most of. But oh, en- enough about that. Let's dive right into the shit with our technical difficulties. Top and bottom three of this film, Ice from the Sun. Let's, let's start with the top. What's good about this film? Um, for me, number three. Throughout the film, I don't learn the names of any of the characters. But seeing as how they're all just set up as cannon fodder, I think that's for the best. Yes, the characters, they're all just here to die, and that is fantastic. Number two, there are a couple of brutal deaths in the movie. You know, someone's head is blown off, someone gets dragged behind a car, then salt thrown on them, and then run over with the car. Uh, Someone just literally explodes. You know, some good, bloody, good old-fashioned violence. Like you're saying that very casually, like, oh, you know, they got dragged behind a car at, like, Get salt thrown in their wounds, like, you know, typical stuff. Face melted off. Nothing out of the ordinary. Nothing bothers us anymore. Yo, and then number one. This film just seems like an art student's cobbled together experiment of filters, sound effects, and special effects. Yet somehow, it seems to work as one complete coherent story. Like, most of the time when I see a film like this and just like, it looks like just a bunch of shit was thrown together, it doesn't make any sense. And I just want to, like, grind my teeth off of a railing going down the stairs. But no, here, it all works out. And, you know, it makes it just feel like such a unique piece of cinematography. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Um, Number three, each victim got their own brutal torture, which was catered to their specific fears and anxieties. Each, um... Even though there was there was a ton of blood and gore, I like the fact that each punishment had some level of logic to it and wasn't just random um, torturing. Number two, at the end of the film, the antagonist, Abraham, who throughout the film seems all-powerful and basically without weakness, is exposed as being a really weak and cowardly man who basically isolated himself in his own reality where he, was in, he controlled every aspect of what was going on. And it really added an interesting element to the character. I thought that was really well done and made, made even the villain seem um, three-dimensional. And number one, Corey mentioned the visual effects, the um, flashing um, um, still screens, the changing in lights and colors, and just the abrupt um, random um, things that would appear on screen. And it, it was really 
impre- visually impressive. And considering this came out, came out almost 20 years ago, it's still impressive. And it, it actually made the, the entire environment feel alive. Like the world itself was, was um, working against the characters and you just never knew what was going on. Like it takes place primarily in, in another dimension and it feels like, it really does feel like a dimension that just kind of makes up its own rules as it goes along. Like it, everything that was shown was done to to embellish the um, the the world that it took place in. So there you have it. But uh, what about the bottom? What about the bad of this film? Um, for me, number three, the pacing of the film is very slow, and it really drags the, it out to be nearly two hours in length. I really think that they could have cut off 15, 20, even 30 minutes of this film easily and still kept all the storyline, all of the dialogue, and all of the cool deaths. Number two, so this girl that was chosen to be the assassin of, uh, of The Apprentice of Abraham, um, she has no assassination skills or assets to help her in the mission. There's no rhyme or reason uh, as to why it was her. Like, was there just no one else more qualified committing suicide that day? Yeah, like, I guess no, um, no FBI agents killed themselves or, you know, secret um, black ops uh, military men. And then number one, the audio in this film seems to go from blaringly loud to annoyingly quiet throughout its course. Meaning that in order to have a pleasant experience, you need to constantly change the volume or else you're going to be plugging your ears or sticking them right up to the speaker. All right, number three. While I said that the the torture scenes and murders were catered to each individual, the first one I don't really get. One of the characters sees the Grim Reaper and some, I guess, grave digger um, just digging a hole, and he tries to escape, but he keeps fighting himself back there. I don't know what that was supposed to represent about him. Um, everything else made sense. One guy suffocates because um, he fears suffocation. Um, somebody else is, um, has um, parasites inside of him because he's, he's a germaphobe, um, and he has to tear them out of his stomach. All, all of them seem to make some sort of sense, but that one got me stumped. I, it looked cool, but I don't really understand it. Number two, there's this unintentionally hilarious scene toward the beginning of the film where the guy who ends up transporting all of his friends into Abraham's realm, he he comes he comes into their um, apartment saying that he's got he's got something to show them, and he pulls out all a whole stack of papers. He goes, "I worked really hard on this," and it, it makes it seem like he's about to like. So he's about to read to them their, his like, college dissertation or something like that. And then he just goes, take us, take us, repeatedly. It's like, re- that, that's all you had? Like, did you just write down that? Did you just keep writing that down? Like, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. I mean, could you not remember those, like, few words? It was, it was unintentionally laughable. And then, like, as he's doing this, like, all of his friends are, like, ganging up on him and, like, taking sheet after sheet of paper away from him. Yeah, I think it's I would have like, been more confused being like, oh, okay, dude, um, that, that's nice. But they're like yelling at him like, oh, stop it. What the hell, man? I'm like, I, I just feel like, well, all right, man. Like, um, uh, how about that? 
I mean, take it's, not, us, sure. it's not like he was chanting it in Latin or something. It was just take us, take us. We don't even get a um, Kalitu Verata Nikto or anything like that. And number one. So Allison's um, brought back to life by what's presumed to be an angel and this disembodied voice tells her that she needs to stop this all-powerful wizard who can literally warp reality and enjoys torturing people. And it just kind of seemed like an unfair burden to place on someone, especially someone in a fragile state enough where they committed suicide moments ago. And the voice doesn't even provide any useful advice. It's just like, you know, he just remind him that he was human once. Like, how the fuck is, is she supposed to do that? Like... Is she is she supposed to like present him like pictures from his childhood? Like, I mean, like it's the forces of both heaven and hell, and she doesn't even get like a weapon or something to fight him. Like, what the hell? Like, she's just like they're just sending her on her way. It's like, yeah, go kill this wizard. Yeah, good luck. We're all counting on you. I mean, come on, could they not come up with anything to help her out? They really like banked on her like, managing to connect with him, which it all worked in the end, but that was an awfully big uh, gamble to take. So, you know, something that we didn't really mention very much was the uh, the dialogue. So let's have ourselves a good old-fashioned quote war. quote war. We'll quote this movie back and forth, and you can tell us who won. I'll give, I'll give Paul the start on this one. All right. Get on your knees and pray to me. You offer a break in the repetition. You are the defecation of a stupid god. One of God's mistakes. I have friends with me, but I think three of them are dead. What if you were pregnant? Pregnant with your uncle's offspring? Repent, repent, repent. I'm right behind you. And that ends this episode of Quote Wars. If you have a favorite quote from this film, or anything else about it you'd like to say, or want to say who won this episode of Quote War, leave it in the comments below. I think it's time for our final take. Remember, friends, our final take is a score on our shot scale. Our shot scale is a reverse scale. One to ten, one being the best, ten being the worst. How many shots do you need to get through this film? I gave it a four out of ten. I gave it a two out of ten. So I have to say that uh, Ice from the Sun is a strange mix of visual and audio cues that make up a story of seven individuals transported to an alternate realm where six are there simply to be murdered by said realm's ruler. Time-wasting and brutality ensue as the film moves along, and you ask yourself... When will the next one of these kids die, and how? It's got a well-fleshed-out story and great special effects for the time. You know, but after all said and done, it's not a movie that I'd, like, just sit and watch, maybe something on in the background, or, you know, if I have friends over. So a while back, I made a long 20-minute review of this film that's actually still on my YouTube channel. It's, like, one of the only videos on that after two-plus years, but... So if you'd like a more in-depth analysis of this film, you can watch that. But my opinions on this film haven't changed since the last time I, I watched it. Ice from the Sun manages to tell an engaging and quite terrifying story with stunning visual effects, despite its minuscule budget. The constantly changing environment makes the very world seem alien and in itself alive. It really makes you feel feel the terror the characters must have felt in a world that was actively trying to kill them. Overall, Ice from the Sun is not only full of blood and gore that we all love, but it's a stunning visual experience that really personifies just how uh, how amazing a low-budget film can be 
in the hands of a talented director who has a vision that they want to bring to life. It's easy to think about B-movies and scoff at, you know, all the low-budget, crappy effects, but if you wade through all the, a lot of the lesser uh, quality films, sometimes you find a gem that you find something truly well, enough about this film. We know that not everyone likes to watch the same kind of shit that we do, so we like to give every B-movie review an A-movie companion and tell you why this A-movie and B-movie are the same film, just of different standards and caliber. I gave my A-movie companion to the 1995 film Mortal Kombat. I picked Saw 3 from the year it came out. So, both Mortal Kombat and Ice from the Sun are about the endless struggle between realms as one vies to be the dominant force in the universe, and the only way to stop it is for the mortals to win in a tournament or game. In both films, many mortals are killed during this tournament or game. In both films, there is a girl, Allison or Sonya Blade, on a mission to kill someone, either being Abraham or Kano. In both films, the ruler of each tournament or game steals the souls of the players who lose. And in both films, there is a ruler who explodes after being defeated in his own realm, whether it be the apprentice exploding after angels and devils get an entrance, or Scorpion exploding after his head is chopped in half by Johnny Cage. And that's why Mortal Kombat is the same film as Ice from the Sun. I picked Saw 3 because... Both movies have people placed in torturous environments by a guy with a god complex. The torturous scenarios in both films are personalized to fit the victim's fears and deeply guarded secrets. In both films, the killer talks to the victim and reveals that he knows their deepest, darkest secrets before torturing them. And at the end of both films, the killer is himself killed. Jigsaw is killed via Buzzsaw at the end of Saw 3, and Abraham from Ice from the Sun is blown up by the agents of heaven and hell after he lets down the barrier protecting his dimension. And before anyone says anything, yes, Jigsaw is a murderer and a psychopath. I don't want to hear the whole, oh, he doesn't actually kill people, he just plays them in a scenario where they might die. No, he's a fucking murderer, and he's got a god complex, and he's a piece of shit. There. So there you have it. If, uh... You want to watch an A-movie version of Ice from the Sun? Check out Saw 3 or Mortal Kombat. But back to Ice from the Sun, I think it's time to tell our friends how to drink away the flick. Drink away the flick. Come on and grab your drink. Let's drink away the flick. Bum, 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 bum. So we'll give some drinking games for this film, but remember, friends, drink responsibly. Number one, every time the audio gets ridiculously loud, take a drink. Number two, every time Abraham appears, take a drink. Number three, whenever a quick scene or audio snippet is repeated, take a drink. Number four, anytime the rings appear on screen, take a drink. And of course, number five, because it's gratuitous violence month, anytime there's a gratuitous amount of violence, take a drink. Every time a barrage of random images flashes on screen, take a drink. Every time one of the humans meets Abraham, take a drink. Every time you hear heavy metal playing, playing during a scene, take a drink. And every time somebody is tortured, take a drink. And those are your ways to drink away this flick. 
If you have any thoughts about this movie or anything else B-Movie related, you can leave us a comment on either iTunes or SoundCloud. You can also email us at bmoviebros at gmail.com, like us on Facebook at facebook.com dash bmoviebros, follow us on Twitter at bmoviebros, or my personal Twitter at bmoviepaul. You can check out all our other content, including reviews, interviews, and chats on our website, bmoviebros.com. We have new shows each week. If you want to support the show, consider donating to our PayPal or Patreon accounts. Links provided below. So, the end of week one for June, gratuitous violence month and uh the number one movie is of course ice from the sun yeah so far that's beaten out all the other competition so let's see if it can hold on to its title because you know next week is vacation time so let's travel to the island of keto and infiltrate the cannibalistic culture that permeates the entire island that's right friends it's the 1980 film zombie holocaust on our plate what could possibly go wrong until next time friends be brave be alive and be back for more Get on the next call. Foxy, little bit.